Amen. Thank you so much, ACF, for your generosity. You know, people would, will think that this church has an endless well of wealth, and you do. And it's because of your generosity and sowing. Um, this uh, specific ministry, I don't want to call names or anything, but um, I was invited to speak on a church network in South Africa. And this network is a network that believes in the move of the Spirit. And so they invited me to speak. And when I spoke on this network to the network pastors, and I walked up, I started to teach on the prophetic, and they had no idea of the prophetic. And so this specific pastor that invited me, when I went to him now, he said when they introduced me, um, as the speaker of the conference, he says he was very upset the fact that they allowed a prophet to speak on that because he felt it was not the place for prophets to be. But God started to work uh, in his heart, and that's why he invited me to go there. And uh, the Lord has done amazing things in that area and in that community. But it's interesting to me how the prophetic gift or prophets all over the world and even in our nation is still something that is not recognized. And... Uh, I've been on a celebration recently where at the end of the celebration, they have ordained and honored the apostles, and uh, they've, they've ordained many apostles on that specific celebration, also pastors, but there was not one prophet ordained, not one. And so if the church does not ordain or recognize prophets, who will? Who will recognize them? And so... Yes, we need prophets to stand up and to be healthy and well-balanced and all of that, but we also need the body of Christ to recognize them, to stand up so that they can function in that. And so the prophetic or prophet is part of the fivefold. It's not the fivefold, it's part of the fivefold. And so we need that all over the world. I mean, in Switzerland, Germany, there's no prophets. Do you have prophets in Switzerland? How many do you have? How many are recognized? None. Germany, none. Nowhere. <laughs> um, and those people, there's other nations where, where there is people that call themselves prophets, but that they just carry a title. There's no fruit in their life. And so it is my mandate to train, equip, and raise up prophets. We need to activate them. We need to mobilize them and so that they can play their role or their part in the kingdom of God as well. And so... I thank you, I thank ACF and also Prophet John that believes in prophets. So many people or congregations don't even believe in that anymore. So thank you for believing in that and thank you for fighting for that. Fighting for the prophetic and allowing that and also trying to raise up people to flow in the prophetic and in the gifting. So thank you for that. We really honor you that uh, you are open, open for that. And so... You know, the more I travel the world, the more work I realize that there's still to be done. I mean, it's, it's just so much that still people think Jesus is returning soon. I don't think so. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> there's still a lot to do. A lot to do all over the world. The more I do, I just see it's just... There's so much to be done. I mean, people don't have an understanding of the prophetic. They don't know what it is, how it functions, what is the function of a New Testament prophet. And so we need the prophetic. We need the prophets to stand up and to arise. Amen. Yes. Okay. So um, what I love about the prophetic is just how it speaks into a situation or someone's life 
And we look at the natural, and we see things in the natural, but then the prophetic comes and it reveals what God sees. The prophetic reveals the true potential of a person. Not what they are, but what they can become. That's what it reveals. I remember a few years ago, they invited me to minister in a retirement village. About 80 elderly people, and I had to spend the day there, and I had to prophesy to all these people that's over 80. And I'm thinking, they're barely going to reach the room. And, and then God speaks, and He says, this is what I have for them. And so the prophecy comes through, and I'm thinking, God, are you sure? This is the, this is the right room. <laughs> uh, because the prophecy sounds like this is God's A-team. It sounds like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 but I mean, the world, I mean, the world think that it's, it's the D team. I mean, it's, it's over. And so there's so much potential still in people's lives. I'm sharing it with you because of your life as well. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. When God looks at you, he still sees that you can make an impact in his kingdom. I mean, it's really the, those words that came out. I have said, Lord, I don't know where they're going to get the energy to do all of this stuff that, you, <laughs> that you're saying. I mean, it, in the natural, it doesn't look like it's possible. But in the spirit, the word comes and the word says, no, no, this is still what God has for you. And so, so the word will always give you life until your last breath. It's never going to stop. It will give you life, life, life. doesn't matter where you are or how old you are or how sick it life it'll always be life always be life always be life that's what the word does and so those of you that's in the prophetic here in this room that's our responsibility it's to bring life not give our opinion if i gave my opinion that day <laughs> i had to bring life i had to do what god says and what he believes it's possible amen okay Thank you, Father. And we call the prophets. We need them. We need to activate them, release them so they can start to function. It's very, very healthy for prophets to be in the local church and function within that church. We need them to come forth. Amen. And so this conference is called Revived. Revived. And so tonight I want to end and I want to speak to you about the two things that is against being revived. Two things that distinguishes that flame. Two things that that nullifies your faith. Two things that's against what we are talking about tonight, being revived. Because as soon as you are being revived, immediately there is attack that's launched against you. The two things that's attacking you, number one is tradition and the second is religion. Those are the two things that wants to nullify you being revived. It wants to take all life out of you. And so I want you to be aware of these things tonight. Do not allow tradition to come in or religion to come in and steal the word that God has placed inside your life, the fire that the Lord has placed upon you. I want you to read with me in Mark 7 verse 13. He says, Then that you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. Yes, we have good traditions, but there's some traditions that's nullifying, that's going against being revived. Whenever... Pastor John speaks, he always speaks about revival. He speaks about the revival that is coming. And we have to proclaim it. We have to speak it. We have to ignite it. But it's so sad that, I mean, over generations, that every revival was always persecuted by the previous or the next one. 
<laughs> when the revival breaks out, everyone's saying, no, that's not from God. That's not from God. And so it is tradition that wants to stand up against that and wants to stop that. It is religion that wants to come against that and wants to give it a formula, it wants to control that, it wants to kill that, revive. And so you are being revived now. You're leaving this conference, but the enemy doesn't like what you carry. The world system does not like what you carry and what is upon your life. And so they want to stop that. They want to nullify as quick as possible what you carry and what is upon you. Now, when I look at the life of Jesus, I've done a, a study and I'm trying to look at, at just the life of Jesus, things that he has done. And so there's many things that he has done. I've, I've, and so I've taken the top three of everything that he has done. I've taken those things. And I want to touch on those things briefly tonight. He's done many things throughout his life on earth. But the three things that stands out the most in everything that he has done. Now, when I go to the fourth level, there's uh, five or six other things that falls in that level. But when I study his life, these three things is above everything else in the life of Jesus. And so the three things that he did is, number one, he prayed. Above everything else, he prayed a lot. He prayed, he prayed. We find him a lot of times. And so prayer, prayer, you're being revived. You're going. He was the son of God on the earth. He was busy with uh, functioning in the power and in the anointing, but yet he still prayed. Being revived doesn't mean you have to stop praying now. You have to pray more. <laughs> being revived. And so prayer is one of the things that he has done. It must be a priority in your life to pray, to pray. Find a place, find a time, find a date. When you look at your itinerary, your schedule during the week, schedule prayer time. Be diligent with that. Be praying. Just put it in there. It's not a law. It's something that you want to do. You have a desire to pray. No, we want to do that. We don't give. This is something that we have to learn is we don't give because we want to see how big the return can be. It's not why we give. The first reason why we give is because we are motivated by love, our love for Him. That's why we give. Uh, you know, I've, I sat next to a pastor friend of mine at a conference, and at the back of his book, he has this formula of everything that he has sown, and then he, he times it by 100-fold, and he's got this list of what God owes him. <laughs> really. And so we gave, and then he writes it, and I'm like, what is that? It just looks like God owes you millions, hundreds of millions. <laughs> he says, no, I'm just, I'm just reminding God of where we are. And so this is what giving is. We believe in 100-fold. We believe in a blessing. But we don't give. 10% so that we can rebound at fault. That's not the focus of it. It's not our motive. Our motive is because we love God. Giving is our worship to Him. It's part of our worship. We give it to Him. Now, when you give, you give unto God. You don't give unto a person. A lot of people give to a person, but then they expect their reward to come from that person. This is the truth. They expect that person to bring the reward. If you expect it from a person, you're going to miss what God has for you. You're going to miss button. So release that seed. Release it. A seed might leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. And so it's safe with God. It's safe with Him. He knows about it. But let your motivation be your love for Him. That's why you're doing it. And so same thing in our prayer. It's not a law that God is going to be upset. If we, we, we have to pray. It's part of the life of Jesus so that we can constantly be reminded of what he does in the spirit and what our calling is. And so Jesus prayed a lot, first thing. The second thing is that Jesus did is he rested. He rested just as much as he prayed and did everything else. These three things were the top things that he did. He rested. And so tonight I want to say to you, stop 
feeling guilty when you rest. Because religion, religion will make you feel bad. Tradition, tradition, South African tradition will make you feel bad. Will make you feel bad. And so Jesus rested. When he rested, he didn't pray, he rested. He rested. And so I, God wants to use us, but people want to abuse us. So God is trying to get as much out of you and your lifetime as possible. He's not trying to burn you within the first 10 years of your life that you are not, I mean, sufficient anymore. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. So rest. Rest. It must be a priority in your life to put out time to rest. Pray, rest. And then the third thing is that he did. These three things was he taught. These three things, the top things that Jesus did. Prayed, rested, and he taught. Now, what did he teach? He taught, but what did he teach? When I look at what he taught, he taught the kingdom. That was his mandate. That was his work. He spoke about the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom. He kept on reminding. He, he didn't have an opinion about politics. He didn't speak about that. He spoke about the kingdom. They wanted him to speak about politics. They wanted him to prophesy about the politics. They wanted him to prophesy about the future or, or the end of the world or the end times. He didn't get involved into that. He spoke about the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom. And so, a true kingdom citizen always has the next generation in mind. Jesus was teaching the kingdom because he was thinking of his disciples. He was thinking about the next generation. He thought about them, enabling them, empowering them. And so right now in the earth, all over the earth, God is busy pouring out his spirit. It's happening. Right now it's happening. He's pouring out his spirit. He's building the kingdom. And so we can be part of that or not. He's going to continue to build. If you don't want him to use you, he'll find someone else. But it's going to be built. God's building His kingdom. Wherever I go in the world, I see things that's happening all over. All over. I just returned from Dubai again. Every time, it's just the next level what God's doing in that nation. In Dubai, um, they might be watching that, but the king in Dubai has announced 2019 as a year of tolerance for the churches. So he said he will tolerate the churches for another year. And so these people, I mean, they have, they're living... These churches function from year to year to year. That's it. They don't know what's going to happen in 2020, but they know they have now. They know they have three months. And so they're going to utilize that. They're going to use that time that they have until they tell them what, what's going to happen next. And so it's happening. And now 2020, because of the, the big um, expo that's happening there, I think it's going to be another year of tolerance because they have a lot of people that's coming visitors, and so they can persecute the Christians while all the visitors are there. <laughs> so I think 2020 will be a, another year of tolerance. That will be announced in January. And that will extend the church's lifetime in Dubai for another year. And so they will keep on. And so there's revivals all over the world. There's things that God's busy doing all over, all over. Now, it's amazing. We had this discussion on the way here, but amazing to me in America, they have declared in America a specific area right now where the next revival will happen in America. They've, uh, they went to the land, to the area. Low Ingle gave a prophecy, and so they've declared. And they, they have this list of all the revivals that happened in the world, and then now they have this revival that they say that this will be the 20th century, the 2020 revival, the next move of God. And so I went to the facility. I went to the place. There's nothing there. And so it's amazing to me, and I'm not discrediting them, but how 
people stood up, or men and women of God stood up, went to a facility in place, and declared that this will be the next revival. And it's amazing to me the boldness that they have to step out and publicly announce this will be it. And so it's time for us in South Africa as well. It's time for our churches as well to start to declare, to set a time and date and, and declare that this is the time where God can do something in this area. This is the time. This is the, to create that expectation, to set that date, to set that time. And so we are for South Africa. We're not against South Africa. We want to see South Africa become what God has called this nation to become. So we cannot look at the natural things. We can't look at what we hear or see or what happens there. We have to give life. We have to give life. We have to give life. And we have to expect a revival to come from God. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, I'll end with this. He says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. He has rescued us from darkness. And so we are part of a kingdom. That is what we are part of, a kingdom. We're not part of a religious network or a religious move or a traditional move. We're part of a kingdom, a kingdom on earth right now. That's what you are part of. And so we're ending tonight and we're declaring that religion will not come and steal what God, the seed that God has placed in your life this weekend. We declare that tradition will not come against it because soon after this you'll have family members that will have things to say. <laughs> They'll say things. So suddenly tradition comes and it tries to nullify what God has done. Protect the seed. Protect what God has placed inside your life. He has revived you. He has revived you. Amen. When that thought of religion comes, reject it. Don't accept that thought of religion that comes and wants to nullify, or tradition that wants to nullify what God has done. What God has done over the last two days is enough for a revival. Yeah. You agree with me? Yeah, exactly. It's enough. God has equipped you. He's put something in you. But that needs to be manifested. It's enough for a revival. We don't need more. We don't need something else. Everything that was needed was placed inside you. Everything. But then often through the world system, it comes and steals what God is doing. It comes and it wants to take, it wants to corrupt what the Lord has done. And so we're not going to allow that. We don't want to sin. That's why prophetically I seal you with the word that... <laughs> The enemy will not put his hands upon that seed that's placed inside your life tonight. Amen. Yeah, amen. Okay.